0: Pete Spadaro. Did I say it right?
1: Yes, correct.
0: <laughs> of course, of course. Well, I'm a Puerto Rican descent. I believe that's Italian, though, right?
1: That is Italian. It's uh, born in America, but uh, second uh, second generation. In, uh, second
0: generation. In okay, well, my both my parents were Puerto Rican. I'm Gonzales with two Zs. Yes. Uh, is my uh, maiden name, but now I'm Mrs. C from Happy Days. So there you go. I love it.
1: That's, you know, that's all American uh, transition, right?
0: All American, man. So now all the kids, I just say, call me Mrs. C. But man, I'm nervous (laughs) because when I was a kid and watching her, if you know who she is, that ages you immediately, right?
1: (laughs) Marion Ross, of course. There, oh, there you go.
0: There you go. Yeah. Let me just say thank you for giving me a few minutes uh, to spend with you about leadership and culture and um, what makes great companies. And it's those two elements, in my opinion. So uh, I was introduced to you, as you know, by one of the um, uh, national sales executives with my company who kept saying, you can, I cannot wait for you to meet Pete Spadaro. And the way she described you, and then I get a chance to meet you. And I was like, you have so much to give uh, to other leaders and to other companies uh, as you've had an incredibly successful career. Uh, So let's start with um, culture. Yeah. Because you're building a company right now. And in building that company, I know culture is important. How would you right now say you've defined your culture or the culture you'd like to build?
1: Well, uh, Casey, thank you for those kind words. And you know, culture sometimes is a, an overused word. It's thrown about very loosely and liberally, and, and maybe uh, it, it doesn't really have the impact it should have. But I mean, culture is really about, you know, having your team and your colleagues just want to go that extra mile to, you know, support. Not, and it's not a, I mean, you, I need that personal relationship, I think, to drive culture, you need sure. that, that comfort, you need that collegiality, <clears throat> but in a broader company culture, I mean, that transcends function, it transcends all different areas of the business. And I think yeah, keeping, you know, one of the things in, in Yenaval, and I'll digress is, you know, having people from finance or the, uh, the R&D team walk into your office and say, "What's well, really nice to have you here in the office. Because I'm out on yeah. the road, I'm traveling. Because sure. it's an energy. There's a, you know, an element of of fun, of of discussion, of banter, yeah. and you know that. I, I you know I think that overarching culture. When somebody wants to leave at five thirty but stays till seven to get something done that impacts what you do, I think that's an element of culture, right? When somebody will work mm-hmm. on a weekend to complete a, a slide deck or to submit something that needs to be submitted that could wait till Monday, but wants to get it done. That that's a culture, that's a cultural uh, foundation that kind of permeates uh, a company. And with the coming, starting from scratch in on the commercial side, on the, the, you know, on the field operational side, it's a unique opportunity to embed a culture from day one. And who, who you hire has to align with that culture. How you communicate has to align with that culture, and it's not always, you know, laughs and 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 fun. It's most of the time pretty serious stuff that we're trying to accomplish. But you know, when you have that pat on the back and that recognition, even if it's small. Uh, the other day, I took you know our marketing team out with the spouses who give up their you know their their husband uh, in this case for, you know, hours and weekends and so forth. And I want them to always understand that I appreciate what they're doing and what their sacrifice is for the betterment of this small company that doesn't have hundreds and hundreds of people, you know, to support this business. So it's foundational. It's, and if you, if you try to inorganically drive a culture, Casey, it it, it doesn't take, it has to be, you have to be true to who you are as an individual in Mm. order to, to disseminate and, and, Create um, not create is not the white word, but just kind of you don't want it to be overt where you're it looks like you're trying to create something. It's got to be natural. It's got to be organic, and that wow. and- comes from who a person is. And so I try to be real. I try to be direct. Uh, I try to have fun, and I, it, you know my career is the highlight or the the, the the longest tenure of which was 29 years at one company, Saint Jude Medical. And my best friends in the world are still there, and and it's you know it's it's this very unique industry that we we have a shared connection uh, of of providing therapy and supporting physicians, and we take very a a lot of us take great pride in that. And I think it's it's bringing that element with an element of collegiality, of professionalism, but of you know, relationships that I think is, is so important.
0: You know, it's interesting, something you just said, um, that inorganically creating a culture. So you'll appreciate this. Um, I had a a new marketing executive join me. This is many years ago. Mm -hmm. We've won 28 culture awards year to date, which is a blessing. And, you know, obviously we don't take it for granted, but she told me when she came in and we'd won a culture award and then she had applied for it. She goes, I had been tasked by an executive team, this is before Xenix, coming to Xenix, to, we need to win a culture award. And she said, it was impossible.
1: Mm. The
0: nature of the executive team wasn't healthy. And they didn't care about the people. And so they were trying to, as you just said, somewhat manipulate the culture as opposed to realizing that they were leading the culture. That's right. So I could not agree with you more that it does begin with the leadership team on the kind of culture that's going to get created, because if we love value and honor people and they feel it, that becomes part of our culture. So has this happened naturally for you as far as being a leader who cared about their people? Because the way Sue described you was just beautiful, by the way, it's beautifully said about you. Uh, but did, where did you learn this? Or yeah. is this just who you are?
1: Well, I mean, I, I, I'm innately an in an optimistic, you know, forward-looking individual. I don't, I really don't like look back. I don't do to go to high school reunions or anything. Probably, you know, that's probably a mistake. But uh, I like to look forward. I like to be look at the has uh, the glass half full. But I was very lucky, Casey, in my early career to have some incredible examples of this. Mm. This you know leadership style, right? It's my first job, my, my first medical device job in, in Sherwood Medical many many years ago, in the mid '80s. Uh, I had a wonderful leader that you know just ingrained you know this. He lived this. He he was soft spoken. He he, he mm. you know he gave you that recognition when he knew you needed it most. It wasn't capricious. It was meaningful. It mm. was timed perfectly. Sure. And he did little things that really wanted you to improve yourself and to improve your situation. And I, I learned so much from that first job, and it was very in medical uh, devices. It was it was such a platform for me to to kind of build on and create, add my own touches and my own style to. Sure. Uh, and then uh, following that, you know, my as I talked about my main job at St Jude Medical, my my longest tenured company. In 29 years in medical devices is a couple of lifetimes. Uh, it's, a, it's a long tenure. And I just hit the jackpot with leaders there that wow. continued building on what this this gentleman at Sherwood Medical did. And uh, things like I, I got promoted from director of sales to VP of sales on stage at a national sales meeting. I mean, I mean just things wow. like that. Uh, we, we would do Meetings with the spouses away uh, and, and, and for a weekend, right? We'd we'd include. Sure. It was a family event, and the relationship superseded, or was at least on a par, if not superseded, the work, and that benefited the work immensely. It, it just it sure. wasn't forced. It wasn't contrived. It was it was a, a real caring for the for the individual, mm-hmm. and when the individual was struggling. You know, I I will tell you how to manage thousands of um, of reps and clinicals and marketing and and other people in my day and how to terminate a number of them. And um, I have great relationships with almost all of those people because they knew that if it got to that, that, you know, there was credibility and trust. Sure. Trust is the word in culture discussions that is underutilized. Mm. Uh, So to trust that somebody above you is. Thinking in your best interest, thinking in the company's best interest, and doesn't have a hidden agenda to either make themselves look good or make somebody else look good. That mm. trust makes people even in the worst times, where maybe they're not doing well and they need to move on. It makes them accept that even even further. So, um, I, I you know I use words like trust. I use words like relationship. I, I don't use them lightly because I mm-hmm. think they're they're the values that I you know li- try to. Uh, live by in my personal life and you see the same person here at home that you do in the office.
0: Well, I have to tell you, uh, trust and relationships are huge and they that gets built over time. It's not in a moment. Right. And when I see leaders and uh, I'd love to get your insight here, like the biggest mistake you think leaders are making today, um, you know, someone who's quite accomplished as you are and you've had a great run as far as building that trust and relationship. Uh, I don't know if you agree with this, but uh, when there's a crisis, someone's not doing well, and then you come in as a leader who they do not know, and you try to correct everything, they don't really don't understand whether you have their best interest at heart or not. But so when you come in with trust in a relationship, as you said, you could even ask them to leave, but they'll love you because they know that you had set a standard. So uh, I'm curious, what do you think the biggest mistakes um, a lot of leaders make in the market? Today, I,
1: I think there are a couple of ways to look at that. I, I mean, I think there are a number of leaders that are well-intended and have good intentions at heart, but don't know. I, I think it's communication. I, I think it's just having that touch and feel. I mean, so much can be misconstrued, Casey, by a turn by a, an offhanded comment. Right? People take people take these comments either in writing or verbally. Right. Uh, take it to heart right and imagine an offhanded comment or something that was not purpose i think there's too many throwaway words there's too much Mm. noise versus really making what you say meaningful and having Mm. things that you say and communicate especially in writing have purpose and to look at it i think we rush i think we're in such an immediate gratification business environment Mm -hmm. In a small company, we're stretched really thin, right? We don't have tons of people here. Sure. So I am very purposeful to take a beat and to make sure I know what I'm communicating. And I think leaders trying to show their their position or their, I think they- Authority, power. Their authority, power, whatever you want to call it, their knowledge, right? Yeah. I, I think- over-communicating and miscommunicating is one. Mm-hmm. And I think it's overestimating what they know versus what somebody that might be a subject matter expert or somebody that's doing their job every day. Right. Know, right. So, and and, I, and the third one, it's kind of a, a cliche, but it's, it's just not listening. Uh, I mean, I like to go into conference calls and meetings and, and just sit there and listen
0: mm-hmm.
1: and, and, uh, and, I I think there's also over-inclusion of people and leadership in day-to-day functions. I think we talked about trust, and showing trust is allowing accomplished people to do what they do. Right. Without looking over their shoulder. So I think communication, I think uh, being purposeful in what you say and how you communicate. Mm -hmm. I think overestimating a leader's value Uh, you know, maybe and and sometimes you have to jump in, you just have to to weigh in and you have to kind of take over, but you have to use that very sparingly because that goes to the whole culture of trust.
0: Sure, well, you know, I have probably learned as much from good leaders as I have learned from bad leaders. (laughs) Have you ever encountered a bad leader or had to report to one that wasn't necessarily the best?
1: Yes, uh, several times. And, you know, bad is... uh, Arbitrary word. I mean, bad. Some are right. malicious. Some are yeah. Just yeah, 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 Mean and and mean spirited. Some just are empty suits that don't know what really what they're doing and are in over their heads. So I, I look at bad subjectively, uh, but I, I do recall one specific leader that just would would not open the, the, their his thinking to to different ideas. That would just so set in their ways and had such a parochial mindset of how things should be done that it just crushed the spirit of the organization.
0: Man, I gotta tell you, um, talk about crushing the spirit. I mean, so my, uh, again, I I learned from the bad ones as well as good ones, the bad one, what I remember is crushing the spirit. And I also remember you should never, and they would critique in public. And to me, that is the death of loyalty. Who would want to be around you if you critique them in front of their peers? So it's always about praise in public, critique in private, um, and allow people to be seen in a different manner, um, in a positive manner, so that they know that they're in a safe space. But I mean, I've been in boardrooms where the, 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 the president just annihilates everybody in the room. Yes. And. It doesn't serve well. Nobody wants to stay, and you certainly don't get loyalty and trust. And I think we started with that, right? It begins with trust, relationship. So, um, so I had to, uh, I had to dis- determine for me, my future as a leader would be always praise in public.
1: Always. Well, I, I couldn't agree more, and and yeah. and and also, you know, praise in public, and and the small, the small thing when you don't expect it is the small praise, the small. Mm-hmm. Acknowledgement, right? Even if right. it's just whatever it is, and and I, I I do believe in recognizing with you know money or gifts or dinners, or, you know, getting the spouse included. I, I think there are tangible ways to do that, but sometimes just the the, the small gesture or the small acknowledgement of something in a unique way, not just good job, well well done, but in a unique way. You did that differently. You're mm-hmm. growing. I really, I really liked what you did. And you have to, because you have to change it up. It just can't be rope and contrived, Correct. right? It's gotta be, it's gotta be, like you said, think about things you're saying, that turn of a phrase, that one time could really mm. make a difference in somebody's development.
0: You know, I don't I, I got to tell you, you just reminded me the power of our words. Right. And I'm, I'm in the middle of writing a book and you'll appreciate it. But yeah. where I, words are wisdom or words can be weapons. But when you're a leader, the words land so much heavier on a human being where they literally I mean, one thing I learned about uh, from a leader was I would get voicemails. And the voicemails were the most beautiful voicemails you can imagine. Like you wanted to keep it and you wanted to share it with your spouse. Like, listen to what they said about me. And I thought, man, what a beautiful thing, because it's captured, number one, and and very purposeful, too, by the way. And so um, but I think something you just said that resonates with me is because I'm about personalized um, uh, compliments and personalized gifting I believe, you know, I'm a huge fly fisherman, right? Sending me something from fly fishing to say, hey, you did a great job, and et cetera, says you really care. And right. something that small can have that much, but the words matter uh, without a doubt. And I think, um, especially if you're in a leadership position and to be really extra careful about what you say and how you say it.
1: Well, and it also goes to listening, right? It, uh, yeah. One of my young marketing people taken taking his wife to San Francisco, told me the hotel when they arrived they had a bottle of champagne in the room yeah. so you're listening you're not just you know it's it's more than this job and this company
0: sure i've had a friend employees with the having an anniversary and it shows up at the dinner the tab's been taken care of
1: exactly
0: i just talking going oh, where you're going to dinner you know they have no idea what the intention is there um, if you could let's start over like start all over <laughs> You're now a new leader. I know that's a while back, not too far. That's a while.
1: Yes, it is a while.
0: (laughs) I didn't mean to still, like, that's not that far. (laughs) Because I think I'm older than you, so it was just Oh Oh,
1: trust me, you're not.
0: (laughs) We'll we'll talk offline.
1: Yes.
0: (laughs) So when when we're not being recorded as to our ages. Um, But if you could go back and say the one mistake you made, personally made, at one point where you had an aha moment, did you have that? Or has it always been pretty easy for
1: you in leadership? Uh, it, it's been natural. It hasn't been easy. I mean, I think there's a difference mm-hmm. between natural and easy, right? The, the sports yeah. teams, I uh, yeah, in, in school, I in, in air, invariably was, was the captain or the, it just came, it just was innate or instinctual. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that makes sense or not. Right. <clears throat> um, I, yeah, there were, there were aha moments throughout and it, it, to me, I have aha moments now. After me too, yeah. 40 years almost, right? It's, uh, I, because you come into you come in the, in the view with different teams and different bosses and you, you learn things that you didn't you really didn't expect to learn so I, I think one of the key aha moments is it, earlier in my it, when I was a regional manager in the 1990 my first regional manager job in St. Jude and you know driving around the northeast right with, with no cell phones you have to go up to the payphone and Put in the credit card. Now numbers. you're aging yourself. Yeah, sure. well, yeah. So you don't even <laughs> remember that. Okay. Uh, I do. I do. You pull up to the to the phone. The car it was window height, and right. you put it put in the AT credit card number. Right. Uh, and voicemail was a brand new thing. You called on a Monday and you got your numbers for the week. So there was no reporting. There was no CRM platform. Right. And uh, but I I remember, you know, a particular situation where I went to see a tenured rep in his territory in new england and went to a hospital and he didn't know where he was going he, I mean, he didn't know his way around the hospital so mm. and i i think the i mean for me and i didn't necessarily i mean I, it was it was an opportunity to challenge in a in a professional way and i i didn't take i didn't take that opportunity and mm. I, I and I, he was. He had some other challenges in his life, and and whatever. And I, I, the aha moment for me was I do more damage by not helping them, by not addressing things when it mm. happens, versus soft soaping it or, or waiting uh, to dilute the impact of it. You want to take advantage of impact moments.
0: Yeah, I call it a coaching real time because uh, when you when you observe it and you see it in that moment, it's the best teaching moment.
1: Exactly, and so. two weeks, two days later, and, and you know, you didn't know you didn't know where the OR was in this hospital. You've been calling on for two years, three years. How was that? If I had handled it in the car and like not in front of a customer or anything ever, sure, sure. In the right time at that moment, I would have done more for that rep and the company than handling it the way I handled it. So that was an aha moment. You can maintain your culture, and maintaining your culture through delivering. Difficult conversations and difficult news is it, that permeates all of that.
0: It does. It does. Well, um, you're you're building something special right now I hear, And so uh, a lot of change happening. Right. Everything's new within your organization. So um, why don't we end with uh, you answering what are, what are you doing right now um, that is going to, we'll say, change the outcome of many people's lives?
1: Well, I, I, I am in a very fortunate position at this stage of my career to be uh, leading the effort to launch a device and a therapy that it doesn't exist today for a, a disease state called aortic regurgitation, which is only treatable right now by open heart surgery. And, it's, and open heart surgery is very good and very successful at it, but our first indication will be in high risk patients who have no option. Mm. surgery is not an option. So we have a transcatheter aortic valve that's specially designed to treat aortic regurgitation. And it's the only one of its kind in the world. Everything else is used off label and the success rates are very mediocre, if not low. So I have an opportunity now to launch commercially. We are commercial in Europe. We're making an impact in in patients' lives that had no options. And I, I also have a chance to launch a team uh, globally and into markets globally that uh, this disease state is, is actually much more prevalent than it is in the United States. So imagine being able to be responsible for launching a therapy and, and also putting people in jobs to support the therapy that could be a, just a seminal moment in their careers. So wow. the patient impact, the people impact from a company perspective, right? I mean, there aren't that many opportunities within a small company to have a chance to launch something this good and this, this powerful into sure. a, an underserved uh, disease state. So that, again, uh, the device is brilliant. Uh, the, the, our, my uh, collective leadership team uh, that I work with, uh, is outstanding. The board is is very supportive. Uh, and now we have to execute and make sure that we don't miss the opportunity. I have physicians calling me from different countries that say, when can I have this device? And I can't provide it because we don't, we're building up our, our capabilities. Oh my goodness. And, and it kills me because it's like, there's a some mother or father out there uh, that is 75 years old that is has a lot of life to give and doesn't have op- surgery as an option. And I, I can't, I just don't have enough product or people to send to Brazil, which is the example I'm talking about, in order to launch this product. And imagine by the fact of who, where you live and where you were raised. And, and even in the United States, I can't, there are certain, I mean, in the United States, we can refer to clinical sites, right? There's right. a little bit more you can do there. Sure. Europe as well, we're commercial, we can refer patients if they really want this. But, you know, it's it's frustrating to me to not be able to provide something I know will help people.
0: That is, uh, by the way, what a blessing it is to have a career where you know, that you, when you mentioned patient, and I appreciate you said there's a mother or father, these families, right, that are going to be impacted by yeah. what you're doing, that's just got to be incredibly fulfilling for you. On top of the fact, you're just an amazing man.
1: An well, amazing guy. Uh, thank you. Jay. I appreciate it. I, I, you know, I, I hope so. I, I, you know, I want to be amazing for my wife and four kids and my adult four kids and my two grandchildren. And uh, that's the priority. But yeah, like I said, being true to what I am here with the family and what you hopefully see in the office it sure. is not that different of a person. And well, I think that's the consistency I strive for.
0: I uh, will appreciate you sharing just sort of your heart and where you are. And you don't normally get to see that among uh, many um, executives where they really share their heart. And I appreciate it because I sort of lead with mine. I love and care and value my people, put my arms around them and go, hey, I'm here for you. And, you know, we teach transformation, uh, transformative leadership. Uh, and we have to obviously live and breathe it in order to be able to teach it. And so we model it. Uh, but it is certainly apparent to me that you are a transformative leader and blessed to have this little bit of time with you. And I just want you to know from my viewpoint, the legacy you're leaving is pretty special.
1: Well, I, I thank you for those beautiful words. And I did know you were this type of leader when you first jumped on the, the Zoom with us uh, two weeks ago. Uh, my son is actually in the industry, and. You know, I'm helping him and and mentoring young people who want to get Mm. into the industry is another passion of mine. I Mm. probably have 20 or 30 people that I knew or through network uh, who want to get into medical devices and I've helped them regularly. And that's been a big part of it because I do believe in the industry and the the space. And, I, you know, that's another very satisfying thing for me is having these 25, 30, 35-year-olds who I've been able to help and, and, wow. and mentor have successful careers in the space. Uh, because I started, I won't tell you what year it was in the industry, but, uh, <laughs> but just say, <clears throat> um, I think Ronald Reagan was president, so it's... Uh,
0: okay, well, you um, know, we might be close in age. We're going to talk yeah, about in just a minute. So trust well, me. You, that's wonderful to have your son sort of follow in your footsteps
1: yes, and actually
0: yeah. join you.
1: Well, he's um, not in my company. I... I, I he, he's kind of creating his own track in the heart failure. Sure. space. So, uh, but he's been in the business seven years. He's only 30 years old. Oh, his First child recently. So, uh, but you know, I see a lot, a lot of me in him and, sure. uh, and it's harder when it's your own kid to, to, hmm. to counsel and coach. Right. And uh, <laughs> so, true? but uh, no, it's been a rewarding career. I, I appreciate your kind words and uh, I, I know, you know, from Sue and uh, and just talking to you that you're this. You you and I have a, a similar mindset.
0: Excellent. Well, I, we might be kindred spirits in the leadership realm for sure. So hopefully we can uh, meet in person soon. Yeah. But thank you for just the few minutes with you. My uh, pleasure, Casey. I enjoyed it. What thank a blessing. You. Take care thank of yourself.
1: You. you too. Now be well. Thank, thank you. Bye.